Hi, this is Randy Wooten, CEO of Maxio. Welcome to Expert Voices Podcast, where we interview CFOs and industry experts who want to stay ahead of the curve and learn about the latest trends and technologies that are shaping the future of finance. Uh, today, I'm honored to have Chris Ortega, uh, CEO, founder of Fresh FBNA, join us. He's been in, in accounting and finance for almost 20 years and is one of the people that's helping us define what the future looks like. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Randy, a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me at Export Voices. Yeah, great. Well, so we got a couple of topics we're going to cover over the next 30 minutes. I think you know, with your perspective, having started as Ernst & Young early in your career and then moving through the accounting role and the FP&A role and then a fractional CFO role and now founding your own fractional CFO practice, tell me a little bit about like the top three changes you've seen in the profession over, in the profession over the last 15 years. Yeah, man, I think uh, looking back over the experience, right, I think it boils down to three key elements that have changed like dramatically for not only accountants, not only finance, not only FP&A, but CFO professionals. And those three things are, are technology. I think number one, first thing that has evolved, right? When I go back to my public accounting days, I remember, you know, uh, being at Ernst Young, doing audits, and you didn't have really the robust forecasting technology. You really didn't have the robust budgeting forecasting. You really didn't have like the robust financial operations technology like Maxio, right? You, you had to kind of have these piecemeals of technology. So as you see technology providing a lot more tactical advantages down to accounts, down to finance and FP&A, you've seen that real boom. So I think the, that's been one of the first changes. The second thing for the office of the CFO particularly is the value proposition, right? I think earlier in my career, CFOs in terms of that relationship with the CEO was just more about the scorekeepers, right? They were the one keeping the tally, right? We we had a budget of five widgets and we did a uh, we did seven widgets, right? So I think the second fundamental change has been that that value proposition that the CFO brings to not only the CEO and the other C-suite, but ultimately the organization. Um, and I think the third one is really a disruption in the office of the CFO. When you look back through sales, marketing, operations, client success, and other functional areas of the business, they have been disrupted. I think now we're entering a stage where the office of the CFO is poised for disruption. Technology is doing that, the increase in the value proposition that CFOs bring. So I would boil down the three things that I've seen is just those three, technology, the increasing value proposition, and this, this era of disruption that we're in right now. Well, that's great, Chris. I maybe we'll take start with the third one first because I too seen that I've been in technology. I don't know; it's been twenty three years for me, and most of the time I've been focused on go to market tech, so building yeah. technology for marketers, sales folks, and customer success. And to your point, one of the reasons I joined Maxio about eighteen months ago was I thought the same thing was going to play out for the office of the CFO, and it primarily starts with workflow automation. So taking some of those manual tasks or technologies like Excel or other spreadsheets and figuring out new ways of doing the work to make the individuals more effective and more efficient. So absolutely think there's this, we're right in this cusp of disruption. With regards to technology, as you look forward, what do you think are the couple of things that are you're telling your clients or when you're talking to other fractional CFOs, other than Maxio, I appreciate the shout out, but for other technologies, what are the things you're seeing people really embrace in the office of the CFO? Yeah, so I think that you boiled it down and I think it starts with the tactical operations first, right? When you like, 
let's start high level and work our way down to tactical operations. When you look at technology, and particularly for the CFO, we are typically by nature really risk averse when it comes to new things, right? And when you really look at us on a spectrum of like on the lower end being low technology adopters to the high end of being high technology adopters, right? When you look at other functional areas like sales and marketing, they're going to be higher up on that curve, right? They're going to be the first ones adopting all new technology. We traditionally, the office of the CFO has been on that, that other end of the spectrum. We're really risk averse. We have to make sure there's audit compliant. We make sure there's no risk to the business. But I think as we go up that value proposition in technology, that's where we really need to start. So I think that's driving that. And now the first place for a lot of CFOs to start to get that kind of win is in tactical operations, right? Accounting is uh, by nature, right? I go back to the first time I took an accounting class, which was my sophomore year in high school at Pike High School. I remember, yeah, I'm aging myself in this one, Randy. I remember doing accounting on like accounting paper, right? Like the, the wow, grid. Like the ledger? I'm you had to do old. the credits am, and debits in the ledger? I am that old. I remember doing wow, accounting dude. with T accounts, right? I'm doing graphic paper, right? Yep. But that's the catalyst of it. And I think when you look at CFOs and where technology is really like increasing that value proposition is in tactical operations, right? When you look yep. at... You know, for me, uh, the, the the number of AP solutions, the number of AR right. solutions, right? right? I remember working with a technology generative AI partner called Collect AI when I was leading a high growth software company in uh, marketing technology, right? And we we had this fundamental use case, right? We had yep. tactical operations, we had people, uh, we had fifteen collections people all across the globe that were just dedicated in collections, right? And when yep. you think about collections from a process perspective, it's a very linear process, right? When somebody's five days, you send them a reminder. When they're 10 days, you send an email follow-up. When they're 30 days, it's a very systematic process. And we engaged a, a German company called Collect AI, and this is probably about five, six years ago when we did this. And we leveraged automation in this technology to help put our people in the higher value activities inside of that tactical operation, right? So yeah. we repurpose the things that they love to do, which is that linear thinking. I love like following a process. I love when my process is driving results with cash coming in. And I love having the ability to be able to communicate with a lot of different customers. Well, now we got technology to do that. Now we got our people focused in the higher value. So to me, that's a real life use case where you see in the office of the CFO, where you can get those tangible wins and then you then you want to get to the prescriptive and predictive analytics, which is like, holy grail. Not a lot of finance organizations are really leveraging that strategic kind of level power yet. Start with the tactics. Start where you can get immediate impact of putting your resources in higher value activities. That would be my advice to all those CFOs looking to to gain you know that disruption in terms of technology. That's great, Chris. And I think just my own experience similarly was... You want to be able to find things that are replicable, where the yeah. process is, is replicated. The information flow, the data flow is similar. And then you're able to, to layer in some automation. And I think to your point, which is interesting in the office of the CFO is there is this feeling of, oh, gosh, I want to look at my spreadsheet or I want to look at my journal entries because I trust that. And so there is a little bit of surrendering of control mm -hmm. to a system and say, I trust it. 
And I think the other point that you're making is there's a compliance piece, so you don't want to go to jail, Definitely. right? Or when you're going through due diligence for when uh, either raising money or going through an acquisition process, you don't want to be the guy or gal called out because your stuff wasn't all in one sock and it wasn't all sorted. So that's number two. But number three is I do think finance people in particular really do like they're very logical, very precise. And so it is hard to let go of Excel. Like we're not going to pull Excel out of their cold, dead, dead hands, right? Like right. Um, they want that. So I think that's great. That's a great story around process automation that allows Definitely. you to move up the stack in terms of valuation. You mentioned AI and clearly every podcast needs to talk about AI. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. What, what other technology have you seen or do you feel like the accounting profession in particular is threatened by AI and so struggling to figure out what their new world's going to be? Yeah, so I, I love this topic. And I remember, you know, working, I've, I've been working with the AICPA, which is the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. Uh, I've been part of their CFO uh, committee chair for probably like the last eight to nine years. And I remember this conversation eight to nine years ago when the first time we talked about, is AI going to take my job, right? And you got a lot of finance professionals. You have a lot of accounting professionals. You have a lot of probably CFOs thinking, is this going to take my job? My fundamental answer then is staying true even till now, right? It is not going to take your job. It is meant to level us up, right? So when you think about this technology, generative AI, right? One of the best use cases that it has is not starting from scratch, right? Think about it. So I'll give you a real life example of me working with a, an accounting professional to, to get from starting from scratch to I will always say like the, the red zone from a football analogy, right? Which is like the 20, which is like the 10, 10 yard line to get in the field, right? So obviously uh, an accounting pronouncement, Randy, that's going to be near and dear to your heart, ASC 606, right? For those that don't know, yeah, look, look at Randy in the background. Randy's like, hey, if you want an awesome technology to help you streamline and automate that whole ASC 606 process to complement the CFO, highly recommend all those accounting, finance, FP&A professionals to check out Maxio. But I'm working with this audit manager on this. And, you know, I was, and honestly, Randy, this was me meeting him at the Expert Voices when we had it in Indianapolis. Um, he was there at the event when we had the collective conversation. He he was talking with me. He's like, yeah, man. I was like, hey, man, catching up with him. How's it going? He said, Chris, I spent like four hours last night. I was working with one of my large retail clients. They're implementing ASC 606. I spent about four hours looking at all the accounting guidance to write up this memo to give to them. And, you know, that's what I spent most of my night on. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, in ASC 606 mode. I said, why did you spend four hours doing that? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, look, man, I'm going to schedule. And the very next day after our exploit voices that we had together, I got on a 30 minute meeting with him. And I said, let me show you the power of generative AI to help you get this information. So we literally opened up chat GPT. We went in the GPT four and I said, hey, you are an audit manager and you want to write an ASC 606 memo for a, you know, $30 million retail client make the memo easy for a non-finance person to understand and also make it in a format that I can copy over to a five slide PowerPoint presentation, right? Literally, we type that up, it gives it, and I was like, hey, make sure we have an authoritative source like an Ernst Young or a PwC that you're sourcing this memo from. And we literally in that conversation, in 15 minutes, he was able to customize and he, he added some pieces in there. He's like, this is unique to this business, so we need to add this in there. 
20 minutes later, he's like, Chris, I can't believe like I wasted four hours of time doing that when I could have used this, right? Yeah, so I think you're spot on. That's a practical I, use case yep, where you can go yep. in and say, what what challenge are you having and where can i go from like zero to like 80 percent now yep. you're not having to start that drive at the zero yard line and get to the 20. you yep. already start in an opportunity you're right there to customize it and configure it to your business to your team or to your clients to make an immediate impact and that's time saved right that's 20 minutes of time that i spent with him that could have been three hours and 40 minutes of time that he could have had doing other valuable things for right. his client or for his business. So that's a real life use case where you can see the power that it has to really put people in the most valuable activities that clients and businesses need. Yeah, I think Chris, that, so I oversaw, I was CEO of a company in the first gen AI called Rocket Fuel. We did predictive AI using logistic regression analysis. And at the time, people in marketing were worried about getting displaced. So they were marketing yeah. media planners and buyers. And the whole thing felt like it was the Terminator versus the Jetsons, <laughs> right? They were, the machines were going to come and take us all out. And what we had to reframe in our marketing messaging was move from artificial intelligence to augmented intelligence. Ooh, I like that. Meaning it's a tool that's helping you do your job better. And so I think the second gen AI, the other big difference is we had to have data scientists that were using AI models to answer specific questions. But now the level of abstraction has increased so that users like you and me can go in and get the benefit of a tool and use that prompt engineering that you're describing yep. to really help us get going. And it, it's unnerving how helpful <laughs> it can be. Uh, you have a kernel of an idea, you frame it appropriately, and it changes uh, the way you start. So to your point, you're getting a fast start on these different components. And so I do think um, when I talk to my team about AI, I think there's probably three dimensions to think about. One is Every function is going to be impacted by uh, AI. Most definitely. You, you got to start practicing. So to your point, like you're helping that guy learn it. He's going to help someone else learn it. And we'll get back to this. Where do you find communities of practitioners that are doing this sort of stuff? But that's number one. Number two is everybody wants to put AI next to their name now. It used to be you didn't want to have AI, but everyone's .ai again. And I, I do think that CEOs and executive teams, and maybe the CFOs in this case can really help in understanding what is the data that you're actually capturing. Can it be structured in a way that's going to allow for not just data science problems, but really AI models to go on top? So is it worth uh, moving beyond just a data strategy to an AI strategy. Yep. And then the third thing I think, which is really interesting, is how are you going to play as a company in the AI marketplace? So we're a billing and financial operations solution. There are a bunch of AI companies that need to figure out how they're going to charge for AI. So there is a world that we need to go explore, and we're starting that today. But I do think AI more broadly can impact the function, it can impact the set of products you offer, and it can impact your go-to-market. Uh, and that, to the point you're making a CFO, being able to help inform that from a position of strength where they aren't being threatened by AI, they're practicing with it, they have a deep understanding of the data and can help inform uh, the go-to-market as a, as, a as a new way of thinking about things. Yeah, Randy, let me just add to that, because I think this is a good tra talk track for CFOs and people out there, right? When you think about all the, the I, I call it hysteria around generative AI, which is really, AI's been here, right? This isn't like a new thing. Yeah, We've had, right. I remember implementing Collect AI at a software company six years ago. So it's not yeah. like, 
I think the reason when you look at it right now, one of the biggest fundamental challenges that CFOs have is like getting the train off the track. What do I mean by that is right now they're like, I'll never get to be able to have that level of understanding that I can prompt it. I can have it. I can copy it over to PowerPoint. I can use it for macros. Right. Like that's a that's a long that's the you know, that's the first destination on the train. These people are trying to get it out just trying to get the train off the track and build some momentum. Right. I think the best way that you can go and do that is your first point, right? You got to go out and try these things, which leads to one of the pro uh, provocative topic that I got asked when I was doing a, a LinkedIn live about a week ago. And somebody asked when we were talking about generative AI specifically around the employee experience. And I got a great question and it said, do you think prompt engineers are going to be a new role that is created from generative AI. And I, I thought that was so thought provoking. I'm like, that is like the middle ground of like getting to a point where CFOs are comfortable with it, that you have an expert that is great at prompting the tool. Right. Cause I, I, you know, I sit with CFOs all the time and we work with it and they're just like, see, I knew it would didn't work. It's you didn't prompt it the right way. You didn't, you didn't ask the right, well, you didn't give it the right cue of what you were trying to see. So, I see that this is not only opening up a whole value add to CFOs, this could actually be a potential career path for people now, right? Like prompt engineers, I'm saying it on expert voices. I think that's going to be a role and a highly compensated role inside the business in the foreseeable future. Well, that's great. You heard it here first. I do think there is a piece around everyone needs to learn it. It's a new language. Thanks. So for me, the big paradigm shift is what do I do in Google? or Bing uh, to search versus what do you use ChatGPT for, right? Mm -hmm. If you want specific answers for specific questions like the Wikipedia type answer, search is probably good for that and ChatGPT may not be. So I think as these tools continue to evolve and new ones are introduced and they get smarter, part of it is just, just having time in the game. Yeah. You just got to play with it. Well, let me ask you this question because I think this is, we're circling around this and the genesis of the an initial expert voices uh, dinners and now the Expert Voices podcast is to try to create a forum for CFOs, financial professionals to um, come together to trade ideas and sh share best practices, which it sounds like the, the one in Indianapolis did, which is great. Where do you go? Because I know you're on the road all the time, yeah. right? So you're out generating content. People are coming to you and yeah. you're helping facilitate the conversations and your whole fresh FP&A, you know, fresh perspective on how to think about FP&A. But where do you go to build connections and get insights and meet other finance professionals that are on the cutting edge? Yeah. So I think when you look at CFOs and, and uh, I go to so many different conferences, I present at a lot of them. I go public speak. I go connect with so many different uh, finance and CFO professionals across the globe, right? And I think to me, it's about finding that community, right? That is like what you want to have, right? Like the people you want to connect with. And sometimes I think like what you've seen for accounting finance and CFOs is like, because of the pandemic, it was all this pent up Zooms and all this stuff. Now you see a lot more professionals that want to go connect. And I think one of the biggest opportunities, like if you don't want to go see to a conference, right? There's great like local meetups, right? I remember talking with you out in San Francisco when we were earlier this year and we were like, hey man, the intimate kind of meetups, kind of almost happy hour kind of concept where it's low, low impact, low risk, it's very uh, open and comfortable. That I think is like hugely valuable to people. And the thing about it as well too, is like there's so much content being created, not only from like finance leaders, but business leaders. I'm constantly 
reading about this stuff and not only reading about generative AI and, you know, machine learning and all these other uh, hosts of suites of, of, of that fall under AI. I'm also learning about different industries, like how's AI being applied in HR? How's it being applied to sales? What are like use cases? So I would say like when you have those like local meetup or events, if that's more comfortable for you, there's tons of information. Like I read a lot of things on the Harvard Business Review. There's certain people to follow that I think are great in producing different AI use cases and information and knowledge around it. So for me, I think, and but take all that to the side, the number one place that you're going to learn these tools, it may not be from a conference. It may not be from a course. It's actually practical application yeah. in your job. Like That's right. go use it, go try it, go find like what I call MVPs, minimum viable projects where you can leverage ChatGPT, nope. BART, or the host of these AI tools to help you solve a business problem. That to me is probably the biggest education and the biggest ROI that you're going to get in learning these tools versus like a conference or a course or an article or a blog post. The, I, great advice. I, I'm going to put you on the spot if you have any specific podcasts you really like. But before we go there, I had the good fortune to go to the AICPA Executive Forum a couple of weeks ago in New York. And it was the senior leaders of the AICPA, CPA.com. And there were about, I think it was 43 tech vendors that went through and we did five minute TED talks and what we do and how, how we fit. It was basically like a beauty contest. <laughs> and um, one of the things, every single one of them had a story about AI. Now, I think to your, your point, everyone's like, oh my God, we got to have AI into our marketing message, especially if you're a technology company. So I think there's probably a little bit of smoke and mirrors there going on. But what was fascinating to me for, because e they're all targeting the CPAs. So the, the 10,000 CPA firms or however many there are, they're bringing out technologies that have some layer of AI tied into it or taking advantage of it. Um, and so to your point about you get good at doing it, there's enormous amount of technologies out there that are now rethinking how they offer value. So you'll have a chance to play. But maybe just going back to the question, is there a podcast or two that you find that you listen to that you really like or an author that you really follow uh, that makes an impact on you? Yeah. So it's, it's uh, one person that actually was on a, a LinkedIn live with his name is Ben. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to chop up his last name, but I'll I'll share the link, but he is like sure. the person that is in generative AI across all the different disciplines, right? So he's just an AI enthusiast, and, and he's all over LinkedIn. I'm blanking his last name, but all right, he's we'll a, send it in the notes. Yeah, I'll send it in the notes. He's a great okay. resource, and the thing I love about his his uh, information, he covers you know AI in HR, AI in finance, AI yeah. in data, AI in operations, and. He has a great way of being able to connect that to like practical use cases for people to have. So he's yep. definitely a person that I love follow. I love doing like collaborative stuff with him because I always take some learning. But I think also to me, like as you build your skill sets around it, like you got to go. Well, as we talked about before, right, find specific ways that you can engage with it every day. I me and my team across the globe. We use ChatGPT, GPT-4, and BART, and a host of a other AI solutions, like, literally every day. So the more that you can ingrain it as part of, like, your daily uh, responsibilities, the way you do things, the more comfort and confidence that you'll get with engaging with the tools and value that you can bring. Yeah, I think, so what you, shifting to the last part of the conversation, I think what you're 
helping to articulate as a professional today, you need to not just focus on your function, but you need to spend time getting educated more broadly around business. And so in this case, AI being deployed across multiple functions, it's just exposing yourself to the broader world. We had actually at the AI CPA uh, conference, I can't find his name, but this guy, he works for OpenAI, and he talked for about 90 minutes about where where we've been with AI, where it's going, uh, the singularity. He had this term called the artificial generative intel intelligence, which is really cool. So again, I'll follow up in the, we'll get the link to your guy, I'll get the link to my guy, and we'll put it in the the notes. Nice. Um, But for this last, so this last point is this idea of the CFO becoming more strategic. I talk about it as moving from the back office to the front office, or at least the middle office, where you are partnering with the CEO and the CRO around go-to-market strategies and how to help inform what's working, what's not. Is there a metric that you think is not appreciated by CEOs, having worked with a bunch of early stage CEOs, that as a CFO, fractional CFO, you're like, dude, this is the thing you need to focus on. Is there one in particular that you think you would want to make the metric for everyone to consider in the broader expert voices community? Yeah, so I think for me, it's not going to be a financial metric. I think in the clients that we serve, which at Fresh FPNA, uh, you know, we work with all different kinds of companies and high growth businesses as their strategic uh, finance executive and their advisor to their business, right? And one thing that I think is the most important element that CFOs miss all the time, right? We put on that CFO hat and we want to look at that that was financial. We want to look at CAC. We want to look at customer lifetime value. We want to look at rule of 40, whatever those metrics are, right? I think CFOs of the future, we need to be better connected inside the people aspect. So we need to put on that chief feelings officer hat. And I think one of the most undervalued and blue ocean metrics is employee NPS, right? Like getting the pulse of your people how likely would they recommend their role? Would they recommend their team? Would they rec- uh, recommend their organization? Because at the end of the day, right, like when you think about scale, I think data is a path to competitive advantage. And when you look at all the different studies of high performing team, people that are more engaged in your business, you're going to make more money. You're going to have more uh, impact across the organization. So employee NPS, that is a hidden gem. And for CFOs, to go partner with the HR or the people side of their business and be strategically involved in helping set the baseline around that and identify, you know, the strategies, the tactics, the metrics, the milestones and the plans that you need to improve that in collaboration with the the people officers or uh, HR leaders of your organizations with the CFO. That is you get the best of qualitative, you get the best of quantitative to the impact to one of the most and the most valuable asset in your organization, which are your people. That is a game changer. You know, not the first person to say this, but at the end of the day, software is a people business. Facts. The product is built by people. The sales are done by people. The marketing is done by people. All the support is done by people. And I think often in software organizations, you end up with leaders who think, oh, no, we're building this shiny city on the hill and it's all about technical purity. And instead, it's that works when you're five people. But when you're having to scale and hire people who need to support these functions, I think it really is the employee NPS or employee engagement score, having some sort of regular listening post. And I think that's probably even more true, Chris, 
in this world where we're hybrid. Thanks. And so you don't have the ability to be in person. Like I'm, I grew up, like I like being around people. I want to talk to them. And then in those conversations, you get a vibe. Like, are they happy? Are they engaged? And it's so much harder to do and in a hybrid work world. So I think uh, having the, the regular survey going out and then uh, pivoting the data by function, by level, by by tenure. So how, what percent of people are leaving after one year? So it's this kind of this combination of employee satisfaction or, or NPS, uh, attrition data, yep. and then hiring data. And how do you become an employer brand of choice? And it, people like to work with people they like. Facts. And I think, yeah. and I think as, as fine as professionals can like work in collaboration with their people operation, it gets back to my third point that I mentioned that changed in the last yeah. 15 years, that value disruption, right? CFOs, yeah. if you're listening, if you're taking one thing away from this conversation as a, as a oh, as I call the fresh CFOs of the future, right? The yeah. most valuable asset is our people. And the more that we can learn about our business, the more that we can take the turn complexity into clarity. And the more that we can focus on the partnership and not the profitable side of the business, people above profits, impact over income, purpose over praise. The more that we can have that inside the business, the more value we're going to bring outside more than just the numbers, but the ability to be able to guide the future and continue to change uh, adversity that we have. It's, it's, it's the time for the fresh CFO, Randy. That's right. Well, Chris, just to that last point, are you telling all your CFO friends out there they need to fund more uh, travel and entertainment and training dollars <laughs> like to keep the employees engaged like, rather than cutting that at the end during the budget process? Yeah, it's important for people to connect, man. I mean, I think when you look at this hybrid kind of environment, man, like I've seen companies and we've uh, partnered with you know chief human resource officers and chief people officers to give stipends of like, hey, local teams meet up, right? having that ability to connect in real time and what I call like whiteboard sessions where you just get on a yeah. whiteboard and you just brainstorm stuff, you just let it flow. I think it's really hard to capture that in the virtual environment that we're in. So CFOs, before you cut those training dollars, before you get rid of everything, make sure people have that ability to connect in, in real life topics and just ultimately just have time to connect right yeah that is so important last story on that so i had a chance to be i, I was ceo of a company called percolate sold it to a company called seismic i was chief strategy officer working for an incredible ceo of doug winter and he had a commitment that every year he brought every single employee together for the called the seismic event or seismic activity and it was a huge line item huge line item and with the years i was there he would go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the CFO and he'd go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the board about how much he was spending on it. And this was before even COVID. And he was like, no, no, I fundamentally believe this is a quarter of our culture is to create these connections. And when I came to Maxia, we created a company kickoff, which is based on that same principle. Like once a year, we can bring everybody, bring as many people together so you can build that connective tissue, you can share ideas. And I think to your point, making that work better is great. Well, awesome, Chris. So let's wrap this up. I think at the beginning, you led off with three things. I would layer a fourth to it. One is there is this disruption that this office of the CFO is, is poised for disruption. Number two, that in large part is driven by the value prop of the CFO, what they can do today, powered by things like new technologies and powered by thinking about problems differently. But at its core, and this is your number one takeaway, I think, it's about how they think about people, training people, engaging people, and making sure that they're developing a community and a culture that um, uh, thrives, not just survives. 
at one one thousand percent, man. That is a uh, that is the the legacy, right? And to all those listeners, one final point: as you take away from this conversation, think about the legacy that you're writing, right? Think about the legacy yeah. that you're writing in your teams. Think about the legacy that you're writing and the value that you're providing. Think about the legacy that you see yourself in the next five to ten to fifteen years, and get to writing that story. Well, right on, Chris. You are certainly writing a great story. It's been a lot of fun to get to know you in the short year that I've been here and see all the things that you're doing, not just to promote your own business at Fresh FPNA, but giving back to the community. And it does feel there's like a virtuous cycle there, right? You're putting out good karma, you're getting good karma, and it's just been a lot of fun. So thank you for your time, Chris. Randy, thank you so much.